Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where uh, we are celebrating the belated birthday to our uh, to our owner and our beloved namesake of the podcast, Sam, Mr. Roman Abramovich. Yeah, happy birthday to my guy, Roman. Uh, if it weren't for you, Chelsea would be nothing, and also our podcast would be nothing. So, Very, very true. Yeah. Uh, well, I would, let's not say nothing, but it wouldn't be what it is today. It would have been a lot harder to come up with a name. For yeah, that's true. I thought I was really clever for the name. So, yeah. So yeah, thanks for inspiring me with that, Roman. Well, I think this is kind of suitable, um, not just because Andres isn't here, but because this is technically like the OG Roman's Empire crew, and we're talking about Roman. I feel like this is like, like a, a throwback, flashback for sure. It is a throwback episode. Yeah. Um, by the way, I mean, do you really have to call out Andres for not being here? You know, I mean. No, but, a but, some break. People, but, but some people might not. Well, listen, I mean, a lot of our listeners really love Andres, so I think it's just very few, not, right. Yeah, very few, actually. Not not a lot. Very few. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're going to hear me talk a lot more. <laughs> oh, okay, that, uh, that's another so, drawback. So I think that's something that everybody's going to notice I, for sure. I was, just, I was just trying to protect them because whenever I miss an episode, you guys always talk crap about me, and well, I listen, get offended. You, you had a bad reason for missing episodes. You were what studying you... for law school, and Andres was um was getting shit faced at a wedding. Well, so like I, yeah, I don't blame him. Last and last week, I only missed because I'm an honorable man who sticks by his word. And I said <laughs> if we did not finish the weekend with three points, I would not record the next episode. And what happened? We didn't finish the weekend with three points. I wasn't there, Zach. I was nowhere to be found. Man of my word. Well, um. If you are a man of your word, then you shouldn't have even I'd, been here for this show. Yeah, I know. I, I See, if I was there last week, I would have said, if we don't get three points, I'm not going to be there next week. But uh, since I missed last week because of the week before, I wasn't able to do that. So I, I had to I had to come by today, even though it's uh, not I, ideal conditions, but... Uh, should we give a should we give a sort of disclaimer to our listeners? Not that What's... they would necessarily need one, but there's going to be a whole lot of cussing and um, <laughs> really? just general frustration okay. directed uh, towards a, a, a player in particular and um, <laughs> so, some referees in particular. Yeah, so disclaimer warning: if there's any children listening, you shouldn't be listening in the first place. But yeah, now's yeah. a good time to stop. But uh, let's get into this match. Nil-nil draw against Man United. Um, so let's let's start off with the lineup. You started off with a three-four-three formation, which is uh, well, that was the first time we deployed that this season, correct? Yeah, it was. Okay, I was really happy to see it. Uh, so it was nice to see Mendy back in goal uh, after the injury scare, and then back three of Zuma, uh, Thiago Silva, and Dave. Uh, Chili Train and Reese as the wing backs. So really nice to see a 3-4-3 without Marcus Alonso. Very refreshing. Uh, and Golo Conte and Jorginho as the midfield pairing. And a front three of Pulisic on the left. Wow. Mind blown. Havertz on the right. And Werner as striker. Uh, so, Zach, let's, let, let's talk about just overall uh, your idea on or your thoughts on the 3-4-3 how we looked, what the personnel we put in for that for this position, yeah. Formation, uh, yeah. I think it was very clear. Um, I think Frank didn't want to lose this game, um, and and to be honest, I don't really mind that approach all too much. 
Um, I, I know it's probably going to ruffle some feathers hearing that, but um, we're, we're going to get into it a little bit later. But but I, I after the result of this game, just a general feeling on, on football Twitter, um, besides the VAR controversy, um, there was a lot of hypocrisy. Um, but from who? From, just in general, from the fan base, in terms the of the fans. way we lined up, okay. exactly, and 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 our friend Kareels is gonna is gonna shed some light on that a little later. But <laughs> I, honestly, Sam, I mean, I I thought this was the most balanced we looked all season, um, in terms of being defensively solid, um, and also keeping possession of the ball. Now we didn't get our goal, um, or our breakthrough, which was frustrating, and at times the attack was um, not very not very good to look at. But the lens I'm looking at it through was we got a clean sheet against Man United. Defensively, we were absolutely incredible. Mm. Not just good. I thought we were great defensively. Yeah. Um, and on any other day, I think a front three of Werner, Pulisic, and Havertz get a goal against that Man United defense. I just think for you know whatever reason, whatever the cause is right now, it just seems like before this game, Chelsea could only defend or only attack. And going into this game we only defended and kept possession mm -hmm. which i count that as part of an attack right but we didn't really create that many clear-cut chances i think that's the next step once we can combine that front three and somehow integrate you know this back line that we had or this sort of defense that we set up with i think we'll be in pretty good shape i'm and you're not even including hakim ziek in that He's not even in the well. fold yet. And, and and to be honest with you, if we are going to be lining up in a 3-4-3, this isn't even our best 3-4-3 lineup. Jorginho wouldn't be in that lineup for me. So Who would be? I always wanted to see Mason Mount in that double pivot, man. But but at the same time, in a game like this, I, I don't understand why Kovacic wasn't picked. I know you could play Jorginho um, in a double pivot against you know some of the lower teams, and we could get away with it because the games would get a little bit more open, and and Jorginho could sort of you know pick out those passes and kind of quarterback things. But in a game like this, where we're already going to be seeing a lot of the ball because of the way we set up, it might have made a little more sense to have a guy like Kovacic in there who could kind of just break through the lines and dribble past a couple guys and open up some awkward spaces for the other team, which he's so good at. Mm -hmm. But I mean, other I than liked, that, I had no complaints. I would have liked that too. I mean, we'll we'll talk more about that uh, midfield pairing a little bit later. But l let's talk real quick about just a little bit more about the three four three in general. We got a Twitter question from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He's asked, "Do you feel that the current focus on our defense is hurting the attack, or is it more of the players not sure where they should be playing?" What do you think, Zach? I don't have a problem with focusing on the defense because defense wins championships, right? Yeah. But... You, 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 you always hear that. And, and, and this has been something that's been a part of the fabric of Chelsea Football Club since Roman Kane was having a really solid defensive foundation first and then building from there. So I really don't have a problem with that focus, but I do think it's hurting the attack Um it, it definitely is. I mean, I mean, you would be a fool to think not. Why was Mason Mount lining up on the left-hand side? You know, everybody was complaining about it for weeks on end. The whole purpose of that was to solidify our back line, to concede less, to track those runners. Um, so 
yeah, it did hinder that because instead of having a guy like Mason Mount out there in a defensive setup um, who's going to get you, you know, a goal every so often, you could put a natural winger out there like a Hakeem Ziyech or a Pulisic or a Cho um, to kind of run riot on that side and, and create chances and do what they're naturally supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is hurting in terms of our transition from defense to attack. Um but I do think that there is a general sense of some of these guys not necessarily understanding – I don't know if it's not that they're not understanding their role, yeah. but maybe they're just having a hard time acclimating to the Premier League. And I'm talking specifically about Kai Havertz. I mean, I mean what, what do you think about him, Song? Because for me, just with the eye test – and I'm still going to be so adamant on this that he is going to be world-class for us and he is going to be incredible. Um but he's not quite there yet. What do you? Why do you think that is? Well, obviously, I think the easy answer is just the transition into the Premier League, and I think that's also the the overplayed answer. But I mean, it, there, there, he's had moments where he's looked like phenomenal. His fluidity, his decision making with the ball, uh, just his dribbling as well uh, has been great. He, he's made a lot of great passes as well to Timo Werner who I think has been a little bit disappointed I think I think Timo Werner has been a little bit more disappointing in the sense that he's had a lot of easy chances that he has not been able to put away either yeah. you know it was it wasn't a, a great quality shot on target or he had like a couple even... against Sevilla where he probably should have yeah and picked uh, out a decider and also he, he does have a couple shots that are quality shots that end up getting saved. So I'm going to give him credit for those. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, like even, even this past match, there was a time where I, th- I forget who passed the ball backwards to the defender uh, on, on United. Uh, and he passed it back to center back. And he was like half a step from taking the ball and just being one-on-one with the keeper pretty much. And he was just half a step behind and it looked like he might've slipped a little bit. I don't know, but I'm not going to nitpick him on something like that, but with the Kai Havertz, uh, he is a, a much like taller and lankier, I think kind of player. And he mm. still has a lot as far as like his frame to fill out. Um, which I think, you know, as opposed to a player like Hakeem Ziyech, who has a very thin frame, like, I don't think that the position that he plays on the wing for the most part, he's going to really need to benefit too much from bulking up. But I think if Havertz is going to be playing that 10 role, um, he's going to have to bulk up a little bit, um, being a little bit stronger on the ball. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's I'm, I might be in the minority, but I think that a lot of Chelsea fans are with me right now where that we don't expect Kai Havertz to come out here and, you know, immediately just be a, a world, you know, world-class player. Uh, he's still so young, has so much time to, he still, you know, has a lot to grow, uh, both physically and just, you know, like as, as a football player. So I don't know. I, I, I can't really I, put my finger on like a, a specific reason for I'm honestly, a little bit of a struggle. I, I'm honestly in agreement with you though. I think, I think he looks lightweight. And I think it's in his head a little bit, um, because he's can, tall. Like that. That's, yeah. You know. Yeah. You, well, well, he is, and 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 you would think that somebody with that kind of natural size, because he's not he's not small, he just seems a little lightweight. He's tall. 
and and if he puts on some muscle, all of a sudden he's he's gonna look like Goretzka overnight. Mm. Um, yeah, but, put, put him in, put him in the Bayern Munich training program. I don't know what they do, but all their players get shredded. Yeah, everybody Goretzka does. Goretzka is shredded. Even Thiago looks shredded when he came to Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, everybody's shredded. Uh, uh, those pictures of Philippe Coutinho look shredded too. But anyways, <laughs> I, going back to Kai Havertz, um, the the thing that I kind of struggle with and that I'm noticing when he receives the ball, you could tell just by his first touch the way he you said glides, and that's a good word to describe him. He sort of glides around the pitch almost effortlessly. When he dribbles people, you can tell that there's he he just oozes class sometimes. But for me. When he is going into any sort of 50-50 bar, anything that requires some sort of physical contact, um, he kind of braces himself before the contact. and Which is a mental does, thing. It is a mental thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to use Pulisic as an, as an example. When Pulisic dribbles the ball, I mean, he gets kicked every time he touches it. But he knows he's going to get kicked. He expects it. I feel mm-hmm. like Kai Havertz is sort of... It's not that he's not expecting it, but I don't he's think he's as it. welcoming to the contact as a guy like Pulisic is, or as a guy like, um, like Eden Hazard was mm-hmm. uh, when he was here. You know, um, I think I think that might be the issue here. Um, also, another thing is, and, and maybe this has something to do with it. He doesn't get on the ball as much as I'd like him to. In this game, he was doing a little bit better. He was dropping deep sometimes. You know, when Jorginho and Conte they were they would get too too spread out at times. And you would see Kai Havertz be the one to drop into that central position just to kind of pick up the ball and keep mm-hmm. play moving. I want to see more of that. Which is you know, which is surprising because today he was deployed as a wing rather yeah. than in the middle. So you, you wouldn't even expect that. But again, we don't know the individual instructions that, that Frank had given to them. But it, like I, I noticed that as well. We, we know he has that in his locker though. Right, like we know he has, we know he has the ability to play high up the pitch, to play wide, or to play centrally and a little bit deeper or more narrow. But I, I just want him to command the game more or command the ball more, mm-hmm. asking for it to feet. I want him pulling the strings. I don't want to see Jorginho making that looping ball over the top. I want to see <laughs> Kai Havertz try a couple of those too. You know what I mean? It's things like that that I want to see him do. I I, I kind of want to see him take the game by the scruff of the neck and and I'm not trying to compare him whatsoever, but similar to like what Kevin De Bruyne does for Man City where he's almost positionless in attack. Mm-hmm. He just kind of goes wherever the hell the ball is and, and and he puts up the numbers to to back it. You know, he scores the goals and he gets the assists. Kai Havertz could be exactly that kind of person, if not better or if not more useful in the sense that he's taller than De Bruyne. Now, if you're playing a system with wingbacks, you can almost use him as a center forward if you need to. But a player like that, you know, you're going to need so much football instinct in order to, you know, he has truly it. be. I, th- I think he has it deep down inside, but it's something that is going to need time to develop. Uh, if, if you're going to compare him to a guy like De Bruyne, obviously. I mean, obviously, and I know you said you're not going to try to compare him to that, but. Again, why not? Uh, at such a young in, in age, in terms of could. commanding, yeah, I just want him to co- like. I want him to command the game. De Bruyne looks pissed off if he's not controlling the game. You could tell, mm-hmm. and, and he plays like it. And that and, that, and that, just, that came that comes over time with with reputation. You know, I mean, yeah. when before De- Kevin De Bruyne was looked at as you know one of the the top five, however many you know you want to rank on players in the world. He, he wasn't like that, but, you know, once you become a stat, like, you, you see the same thing with, with Virgil van Dyke. Like, he came in, and 
was, you know, he was already quickly, pretty ridiculous. He, so. But he was, but he was quickly declared, you know, probably the best center back in the world. You know, the the best in the Premier League for sure. And he just had that kind of confidence and arrogance that, like, he knew he was one of the best in the world. So I yeah. think that's that that's gonna come with time. I, I'm not gonna expect him to do that, but I think that he has the billings for it. But I mean, I don't think either of the Germans played particularly well um this past weekend and i it was i thought it was, there was a very interesting swap by frank either of them played well in the last week yeah you, know, that's you could true. even throw the sevilla match in there too we, we got a question from uh dylan on twitter at cfc dylan he wants to know our thoughts on the choice of subs and their performance so in the 71st minute he did a, the double swap the germans for the brits took out timo Werner and kai havertz for uh for Mason Mount and Tammy, uh, not I, I I didn't notice much of an impact by either of them, um, and I think that that might explain or might be explained a little bit better by just the tactics that Frank was deploying. That mm-hmm. it really wouldn't matter who was up there, but be, because we were playing so deep and we weren't really pressing uh, too hard. Uh, either from the back line or the front, uh, that I just don't think that we were able to do anything on offense because that was just the way that we were lined up. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who was in there. Uh, yeah, you know, again, I, I criticized Frank for his substitutions before. I, I'm not going to criticize him here because I probably would have done the same thing. I mean, I, I would have kept Werner on personally, maybe move him out wide and bring Tammy up the middle. Um and then maybe introduce Ziyech for Pulisic. Um, which he did in the 81st uh, minute. Yeah, yeah. And and, and 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 that was the right move. My point is I was okay with the substitutions that he made because it wasn't working. Whatever it was, he gave him an hour and ten minutes, and it just wasn't working. Sometimes you got to switch things up. Now, when you're swapping two forward players at the same time, now you're going to have to account for an, maybe an extra couple minutes for them to get – you know, not one player to get into the pace of the game, but now you got two. Maybe that's an issue, but I I wasn't too fussed about the performances of of Tammy and Mason when they came on. I mean, you're coming on against Manchester United at Old Trafford. If you have an impact, great. But I I, I guess the main thing there was just don't lose the game. Just get out there and mm-hmm. don't lose the game. Um, and and you know, I, I'm probably gonna get shot for that, but. It is what it is. You know, you're going to Old Trafford. Just don't lose the game. Yeah, we've only lost one match this season. I mean, I know mm-hmm. we have three draws, but only one loss is something I guess you can kind of hang your hat on. But it, it, it was a tough match. I'm I'm not as worried as a result like this against a team like United as I am uh, dropping points against a lower, you know, a bottom half team. Southampton. Even, or... even though Manchester United is technically a bottom half team right now. Yeah. But uh, I, I think those kind of results are more frustrating than something like this, you know, where mm-hmm. we could have easily lost. But, um, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm probably going to get shit on for that as well. Uh, let, let's, let's save this part for the end. Uh, mm-hmm. But I want to just go on a little bit more about defense because I think – when I when I I tweeted from the account that was me. So if anyone wants to direct any blame, that was me. I called the I called the match a snooze fest, and uh, I kind of got uh you know some feedback from some fans you know saying like snooze fest. What were you watching? 
you know, as as an American, we're so used to high scoring games in all of our sports. We score in the hundreds in basketball, you know, in football, touchdowns worth six points. So like a nil nil draw is like, you know, to to an average dumb American like me, it was a boring match. But <laughs> in all in all seriousness, uh, I think you really can only talk about the defense in this match because it was really good. And it was, it's, it's an interesting shift from a team that we saw in the first couple matches of the season where we were scoring goals left and right, but we couldn't keep the ball out of the net. And now <laughs> it's, it's the complete polar opposite, which I'm not necessarily making a critique on. It's just, I'm making a, it's just an interesting observation. Uh, and you know, another, like a great stat that I saw, uh, Right now, Chelsea has the most aerial duels won in Europe's top five leagues this season, and that's due to Kurt Zuma, mostly, who has the most aerial duels by himself won in uh, Europe's top five leagues this season. That's a 16 out of 16, 100% success rate. Uh, <laughs> so Kurt Zuma that's has, crazy. has been just amazing for us this year. He played amazing today. Thiago Silva really had... A strong match as well um i want to read his stats real quick for you 94 percent pass accuracy 82 passes six clearances three recoveries two tackles made two interceptions two blocks dribbled past zero times didn't even commit a single foul and you know we know he's a stopgap to fill in until we find a suitable long-term center back on the market but right now how important is tiago silva to our team he is um, he is everything we were missing um, in our back line. I, I, I think it was really smart on Frank to play the back three against United because you know Martial is going to be out um, with the red card, so their only option really is to play Rashford up top and just kind of burn us with pace. Um, so putting the back three there gave Thiago Silva a little bit of a cushion um, to kind of do his thing, and that's exactly what he did. He wasn't exposed once in this game, Song. I mean, you just there, there, no. Those... There, that's not true because there was one time, uh, there was the Rashford one-on-one oh, yeah, chance yeah. where where I don't know if that was 100 percent his fault, but he did he made a play for the ball, got it back, and I think he passed it to Jorginho. It was not the smartest pass. He lost it, and he was out of position for that. But mm-hmm. I, I'm I, I wouldn't blame him on poor positioning for that. You know, that was low. that was just unlucky. You know, I mean, we 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 talk all season about our defensive issues and how there's a combination of tactical and individual mistakes that kind of lead up to the shit show that it's been all season. Tiago Silva gives us that calmness that we need. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's so, he's so reassuring as a center back to have back there, just the way he communicates and points at players, you know, from what everything I'm reading, he, he, he's almost fluent in English already. Um, wow. which is, ins- which is absolutely insane to me. Duolingo. But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's, he, 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 look, he's a smart guy. Um, but yeah, this is exactly what we need from him. When we signed Tiago Silva, it was for matches like this because you know exactly what you're going to get out of him, a big game player. And, and I know you didn't mention him, but I want to shout out Aspie as well, yes. who I thought had an incredible game also. And both um, our both our wingbacks played amazing too. Mm-hmm. Recent, I mean, my dad is not familiar with Ben Chilwell, and he's not very familiar with Reese James. And I was pointing them him them out to him, and he was he was so impressed. Like I honestly am so excited for them 
being our wingbacks slash fullbacks of the future. They looked really good. But yeah, go back back to Dave. They just they just look really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the same thing with Dave. I mean, we we talk about Dave as in my mind forever a Chelsea legend. Um, but we think of him as a right back or a left back. But his best seasons were under Antonio Conte, that title winning season where he played the right center back. He was our best defender that season, and it w- and just kind of seeing him put on this throwback performance in a way, but it allows him to be a leader when he plays a more central role because he's now he's throwing his body in for blocking shots and he's able to quarterback the defense a little bit more in terms of pointing out where players go. Now we have two leaders playing in the center of defense instead of having one in the middle and one all the way out on a flank to where he you know he can't really communicate with the other side of the pitch. Now all of a sudden you can communicate with everybody just you know by changing your positioning or going 15 more yards more narrow than you normally would. So I think that's a huge advantage to us. Um, and you know, a couple episodes ago, um, mm-hmm. I forget who asked. I think someone asked on Twitter, or it was brought up during the episode about the three-four-three. And the one thing that I said that is really ex- you know enticing about a three-four-three is being able to play both Reese James and Dave out there at the same time. Because I, I don't like I don't like having one of them sitting on the bench, and I don't mm-hmm. want Dave on the left. So in this way, you can you can get all of that, but at, at the expense of losing a midfielder, which, you know, as you saw, it, it really hurt our creativity. I mean, we our midfield has been a huge, I think, our biggest glaring issue this season. Um, our inability to, you know, bring bring the ball up the pitch, like uh, just just consistently, was, yeah, and to and to, con- and to connect, you know, two three passes in a row. You know, just it, it doesn't happen very often, and it's, you know we see a lot of clearances. I mean, I I, I haven't looked at the numbers for this match, but I well, do. It, I like, yeah. Go sorry ahead. to cut you off, Sam, but 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 I think I know what you're trying to say. I mean, in this in this game specifically, when you have a Jorginho and a Conte playing in a flat four, it looks so flat at times. And and I, I alluded to Kai Havertz having to be the one to drop deep and to kind of be that extra man in the midfield to create that triangle that we need, because Jorginho and Conte aren't doing it on their own. I mean, I, their movement is subpar at best when we're in possession. Um, and I know we're going to talk about Conte in a little bit, but more specifically for for a Jorginho type player. This system is perfect for him because it gives him protection from everywhere. He has and he he has a defender on every side. He has a defender behind him. He has a defender to the left of him in Conte, and he has a defender to the right of him in Reese James. So this this system protects him. But then when we win the ball, the transition is just so slow. It can never just go straight through Jorginho, ball over the top, bang. Werner's in in one of the channels. Now all of a sudden we have late runners in the box and we're causing chaos. We didn't see that at all in this game. And I know we had a lot of possession, but just to look for a ball like that, or even what I said earlier about maybe introducing a Kovacic, that way Kovacic could spin off of a defender off receiving it, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden he's running downhill and you have options everywhere. And I don't think Jorginho is right for the 3-4-3. I still think the 3-4-3 is our most balanced system that we have. I'm very, very curious to see what Kovacic or Mason Mount could do in one of the pivots next to Conte because I think that will also help Conte's um, offensive output a little bit more. Um, 
which was a huge issue in this game. I mentioned so like I I was I'm pretty much talking about building up, you know, play through the midfield. I looked up I mentioned clearances earlier. I just looked it up. Uh, the Premier League club leaders in clearances. Uh, we're six right now in the Premier League in clearances, and like you know the teams that are ahead of us: Newcastle, Sheffield, Crystal Palace, West Brom. Like these are all teams that have like I don't want to say terrible midfield play mm-hmm. but you know it's you know like the, at the top of the list you have man city united liverpool's up there too like you know th- those like I, i'm not trying to point to clearances and say this is a stat that you know says everything but it's something that i noticed and when i looked it up it it, it kind of it proves what i was thinking that 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 that's what we're doing we're when we get the ball we just kick it out of there you know and i i want to see some sort of build up something uh, and I and I think this is something you can kind of blame Frank for a little bit, uh, but I don't know. I mean, is, what no, do you think about that? I, I I don't think so. You know, Jorginho was looking for that ball to Werner a few different times. I hate that ball. Um, I mean, he, no, he just puts so listen, much backward spin on it that by the time he gets to him, the the center back's already covering him. You know, I, like I love I love that ball because that that is so difficult to defend some. But Anytime, it doesn't work. It, any, it works any once way, or twice a season. Any way to get Timo running into a channel and dragging a center back out of position, I, I'm all for it. My issue with Jorginho and having him in the midfield is that we can only build up play by starting backwards first and then moving forward. For example, Jorginho wins the ball in the midfield. The first pass isn't going forward. It's going back every single time. And, and for me, that was – the most frustrating thing because we could be hitting a team like United on the counter. Luke Shaw was having a hell of a time defending Reese James in the first half. That 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 whole entire time he was only focusing solely on defending. So why not expose that a little bit more? Why not play a little bit quicker and with more urgency? A guy like Kovacic will do that for you. A guy like Mason Mount will do that for you. Those are guys that are more mobile, that could carry the ball with their feet. And that could also beat a man or two and have – they have that ability to run downhill. We don't have that threat. You know, I, we talked about earlier this season um, how weird it was to see like Ross Barkley and Loftus Cheek um, both get loaned out because they're two, you know, midfielders that have that ability to kind of run downhill. It was missing in this game. Yeah. Ross Barkley would have been perfect for this game to just introduce him. Maybe, you know, uh, instead of bringing on Mount and Tammy, you could bring on Ross Barkley and Tammy throw Ross Barkley in the midfield for Jorginho and then kind of have a, have a more attacking approach, have somebody that offers that threat. That's going to force the other team to step out and make things awkward for themselves. Now, all of a sudden you have spaces opening up on other places on the pitch, but Jorginho and Conte are so predictable, predictable because they're never going to run beyond that forward line. They're never going to carry the ball forward and they're never going to pass the ball forward. It's going to be sideways or backwards. It's just a matter of recycling possession with them. I'd like to be a little bit more risky. Yeah, I mean that 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 plays a part into it as well. Uh, yeah. I think I think that's you know just pl- we we've been playing a lot out of the back, which uh, is exciting to an extent. But you you uh, have it, to it, in this yeah. day and age you've got to be able to play out of the back. But the great teams have the ability to play in multiple ways, and 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 we see that with. I mean, we we saw it with Bayern Munich in the Champions League last year. We've seen them smash teams by dominating possession, and we've seen them smash teams on the counterattack. They're adaptable. And right now, we keep deploying the same midfield pivot, and mm-hmm. it's not adaptable. Those two guys aren't adaptable whatsoever. 
All right, let's move on to probably the biggest reason for our defensive success as of uh, as of late, and that is Mr. Eduardo Mendy or Mendoza. I like Mendoza. M- M- Mendoza. I like I like Mendoza because Mentirosa means liar, and he's uh, and he's the truth. He is so, the truth. So I can't I can't call I like him Mentirosa. That. It's Mendoza, which is actually Marcos Alonso's actual last name, Marcos Alonso uh-huh. Mendoza. So. Eduardo Mendoza. They look like siblings. I, <laughs> yeah, re- resemblance is uncanny. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, it, where do I start, man? Three clean sheets in four matches. He's the first goalkeeper to keep consecutive clean sheets in his first two league starts for Chelsea since Peter Cech in 2004. There's this statistic. It's PSXG plus minus per 90 okay zach did you hear that did you hear what i said i i, I did P, said, uh, psxg plus minus per 90 which is uh-huh. a statistic okay it is a statistic and, <laughs> and am i supposed to know what kind mis- of statistic this is uh, post shot expect so like you know expected goals and then uh-huh. there's this is post-shot expected goals, which I th- takes into account the result of the shot, I guess. Uh-huh. that I don't know how they do that. And then there's a post-shot expected goals plus minus, and then you divide that by 90 or whatever, about the, the minutes played times 90, and that's your per 90 stats. Right now, Mr. Eduardo Mendoza is is in first place, number one in all the Premier League. In that stat, which I don't necessarily know what that means, but it's still refreshing. <laughs> it's refreshing to have a Chelsea goalkeeper number one in a statistic that isn't errors leading to goals or uh, worst save percentage in the league, because that that that's what we're used to. That those are we the have tables a goalkeeper that we're associated to. with a good stat. <laughs> that's that's awesome. <laughs> that's for, take that for what it's worth, but crazy you know i mean just go you know just be serious now uh he had some amazing saves again uh in this match it's a game saving save on rashford at the end of the match in the 91st minute i mean that was such an incredible strike by rashford i i thought it was going in once it left his boot i was like god damn it i can't believe it and i scored a goal i scored a goal in pro clubs like that (laughs) last week yeah so imagine doing that in real life uh you know in addition he had uh, we mentioned earlier that 1v1 uh he had against mendy he showed off his reaction speed his length and his positioning all in one play um which was i i said it it, i mean zach was saying that was an incredible save i kind of said it was a good save some but you know my point my point is that like your keeper should make that save most of the time if not every time in that in that one v one with Rashford, not like I'm talking about, I'm um, not every time. Like eight out of ten times, it, that save should be made, if you have a good keeper, and it that and if we had Kepa in goal, that's in the back of the net, every you know like every single time. If so, I'm if I if I'm Mendy, I'm kind of pissed at the end of this game. Yeah, I mean because clean. I had a I did everything I possibly could. To make sure that you guys would be in the best possible position to win this game. No and you couldn't scored. get a goal for me. Yeah. Okay, so let's I, – I know right now 
this is like it's it's like we're in the honeymoon stage of mendy okay mm-hmm. and there will be a time guarantee it because this is what happens with every keeper where he'll make a mistake and it's going to cost us a match and i just will i just cannot wait to see our twitter's reaction to it um or twitter like chelsea twitter's reaction to it he did make a mistake he almost kicked the ball in his own oh, net. Okay. Oh my God. See. But 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 that, here's the thing. Here's that the was thing. that was a perfectly curved shot to go around the post, but the outside the men- of the post. But but it's all about the mentality. Like, he fucked up so bad that would have been that would have looked worse than anything Keppa ever did combined. <laughs> That's kind of true. <laughs> but but kicking yeah, it in your it own yeah, you literally kick it in your own goal, but. <laughs> But the fact that he bounced back and, and it didn't really waver his confidence and it didn't necessarily force him to, to boot the ball up the pitch every single time he got it after that. Like he wasn't spooked. He was still trying to play out of the back. He was still sticking to the game plan. His passing options didn't change. You know, he, he, he kept his poise. And it's something we haven't seen in a keeper in a very long time. So we got a question on Twitter from at Kirill's Medvedev. Uh, shout out to Lithuania. Or Latvia, I'm sorry. Is or, it Latvia? It's Latvia. Or it or or as uh what's his face likes to say, Latavia. Um what's that guy's name? You know what I'm talking about. Ooh. The the the, the Porzingis video. Who is the Adam Rappaport. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck is Latavia? But Latvia. He asks, and this is actually kind of a wake up call, how good is Mendy? Have we signed an actual gem here, or does any decent keeper look brilliant after two years of Keppa? This is this is the real question we have to ask ourselves. My my take is this: we shat on the whole Ben Chilwell price tag, and we all—I mean, not not we all—I did specifically. I admit that I didn't like the price tag. I like the player, just not the price. And Lampard said, "Nope, this is my guy. I'm going after him." This is the only left back I want. We get Chilwell. All of a sudden, it looks like he's been at the club for the last six years. Mm-hmm. Edward Mendy is Peter Cech's guy. Right? Yeah. Not the flashiest name out there. Out of all the goalkeepers that we could have been linked with, I'm not going to lie, it, it did seem underwhelming at first. He was like, the one who, I never heard who of. Who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait. Who is this guy? And then you're reading stories about him like, you know, he took a year off football and he was – know basically jobless for a year and like 28 years old awkward limbo and i'm like dude this happened when he was 23 and it's crazy to me so you know going back to his mindset this is a guy that's worked his way from the very very bottom to the top true true so you have that you know not only was peter check able to identify a keeper with with natural talent right like obviously he's he has a gift but he was also to identify the right type of personality that the team needs a guy that's going to come in. He's just, he's just going to work his ass off because that's all he knows. That's and all he's done. That's crazy because that kind of, you know, backstory that I think what really helped, you know, fellow uh, Senegal teammate, Sadio Mane really develop his edge, you know, really came from, from, you know, getting cut every year and not really think, you know, yeah, growing up, not, you know, I, f- I forget exactly. His he had a similar path. story where like he was playing, uh, where I think it was at mine somewhere, somewhere in could... France. Yeah. Or no, I thought it was mine. Germany. Oh, mine's? No, so okay. I don't yeah. know. Uh, anyways, like, like, yeah, Mane's story was very similar where, you know, he was basically contemplating being a footballer at one point. 
And then all of a sudden, you know, he had a, you know, things kind of fell in place for him. Mendy's exactly the same. Now, in terms of how good he is, I'm going to go as far to say as... Hey, it was I FC Metz. FC Metz, France, there we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, it is, Fra it is France then. Um, but it, I'm going to go as far to say as I don't think he's a stopgap. I think we have mm -hmm. our goalkeeper for the next five, six, seven years. I mean, he's only 28, so he could probably play into his early to mid-30s. Yeah, I think we have our keeper here for the next five years minimum. I don't think it's a matter of us going back in this summer or next summer and being like, yeah, keeper's a priority. No, I don't think that's the case. Um, in terms of him being a gem, uh, it's a little early to tell. You know, like Sam said, we are in the honeymoon stage. He's made great saves so far. He's looked like a gem so far. I will give him that. But um, my big thing is I want to see how he reacts to his first real bit of adversity. Yeah. Like instead of almost kicking the ball into your own net, I want to see what happens when he does kick the ball into his own net. No, I don't want to see that. Let's not, not kick not, the ball into Not the literally. <laughs> not literally. But I'm saying yeah, like, know. you know, maybe – Maybe um, giving up a, a, a bad penalty, you yeah. know, rushing out of the box and making a bad play or, you know, stopping something that he probably should Anything should've. that Kepa has done in pro probably every single one of his starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly. Um, but but that, that I think that's when we'll really see, like, what kind of keeper he is in terms of class, right? Is, is he top class or is he just kind of like a really good goalkeeper, a good, good European goalkeeper? Right now – Which um, I would be okay with too if he's a yeah. good European goalkeeper, like, in the top – 10 15 keepers in all of europe that's not that's a good serviceable goalkeeper that's a top 10 to 15 goalkeeper i'm what saying like in top, all of europe top I'm 10 saying, i'm saying like a good a good european goalkeeper would like okay you're oh you're saying you know, not you're saying like top mm, fifth top 30 top 40 you're saying yeah i'm okay. just saying a guy that has the ability to play eight yeah, to ten years in any of the top five leagues and be a starter consistently like that that's a good european <laughs> goalkeeper for me and, and based on what I'm seeing, I'm putting him in that category. He seems like that kind of guy that could be at Chelsea, like I said, five to seven years easy, where he can just be a really stable force at the back for us, where we no won't necessarily have to go in and spend 70 or 80 million on a goalkeeper and cross our fingers that it would work. You know, the, the other nice thing that I love about this Mendy deal is the price tag that it came with. I love the fact that Peter Cech was able to identify a, a goalkeeper that wasn't going to be expensive was going to be really low risk, high reward. You know, in the sense yeah. that if Mendy really doesn't work out, we could always flip him for 15 or 20 a year or two from now. But I don't think uh, that's the case anymore. I don't think well, that's the case. Well, it's small sample size, but from what I've seen, I really he, like it. He's um, our number one. Let, let's 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 try to wrap up uh, this review, just talking about Conte real quick and uh, his performance. So. I do want to rant about VAR. Song. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's we're saving that for the end. We have to, but okay. I just want to. I, I think it has to be mentioned because I I didn't think he had a great match at all. Um, you can run through the numbers and it'll tell you one thing: eighty-one percent pass accuracy, two out of two duels won, one clearance, three interceptions. You know, right now he has the most interceptions in the Premier League with twenty. Um, no tackles, but he he also lost possession fourteen times. So I think that was the biggest glaring issue for him. I mean, defensively he was, I guess he was sound, but um, wasn't wasn't over the top. He made some great plays, but you know we got a question from Michael Conan at uh, mconan1789 on Twitter. He was mentioning Conte was bad on the ball again today. He killed numerous scoring opportunities. 
why is Frank putting two midfielders and add, who add nothing to the attack or defense for G Jorginho's side instead of Mount or Kovacic? Well, this is what I'm saying. You know, defensively, Conte's been everything that we wanted him to be, especially against United. I thought defensively he was he was imperious. Like, yeah, he didn't have that many tackles. But, but we're not going based off of stats. He played well defensively. Um, in terms of the attack, when he was in possession, you know, everybody was calling him out for how many times he lost the ball. Now, there's other players on a team that lost the ball just as much as him, if not more. You know, like, for example, Ben Chilwell lost the ball 20 times. Reese James lost the ball 18 times. Now, losing the ball means misplaced passes, getting it stolen, you know, uh, misplay, uh, bad touches, things like that. Um, but I think the reason why Conte stood out over those guys was the positions he's losing the ball in, um, which left us vulnerable for counters. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's more noticeable. If a, if a midfielder loses the ball in the, in the center of the pitch, you're going to notice it every single time. If a wingback loses the ball, you know, it could be because he didn't complete a cross or because, you know, a, a through ball didn't go through or he played someone down line and got it stolen. It could be a, a, a plethora of things. But the fact that Conte's in the middle of the field and he's losing the ball in those positions is concerning. How do you remedy that? My idea is that you don't put a person like Jorginho next to Conte. You yeah. gotta put someone more mobile, like a Mount or a Kovacic. Mm -hmm. Someone that's you know, Con when when Conte has the ball, he's his first instinct isn't to take a touch into space and carry it and and and, sure. and, 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 and and analyze the whole field and kind of, you know, pick a pass that way. Conte receives the ball, picks his head up, and passes it to the person that's closest to him. He plays very simple, Mikel-like. I think having a guy like a Kovacic there would mm -hmm. make himself way more available to Conte for those short passes and short combinations. And, and and when you have a guy like Jorginho there, yes, he could quarterback, and yes, he could pick out those passes, and yes, he could create from deep-lying positions, which is great, but that's only if Jorginho has the ball at his feet. Jorginho can't create that opportunity for himself like Kovacic can. If if it passes and on, Kovacic could quickly move into a space and create an angle to where he could receive the ball. Now all of a sudden, our key players and our key playmakers are receiving the ball that much earlier, even if it's a half a second earlier. Now you could play that through ball. Now you could start playing balls over the top. You know, The whole game opens up. Everything virtually changes completely mm -hmm. when you add someone that's a little bit more mobile in that midfield. That's the issue I have with it. It's not Jorginho as a player. It's not right. the Jorginho shit or he's bad or none of this. He's been really good this season. Um, I was about to say the same thing. Like I've just been so yeah. impressed with the way he's been playing, but I just hate when it's him and Conte as the midfield pairing for the reasons you just stated. But yeah, I, I just you know the one thought was it, it was worrying a little bit just as far as Conte's future value to our club um, and you know what we could have probably got for him if we did end up selling to those offers. But I'm not giving up on him by any means. But no. And I think it, I, I think it does have matter... to do with, sorry, the formation that, you know, and, and the pairing. That's why his weaknesses were glaring. But, uh, hey, that rhymed. But I don't know. It, if, if we learned one thing about N'Golo Conte since we got him some, it's that if you simplify his role in yeah. the team, he will give you a 10 out of 10 performance every night. You can't ask for it's too you, much. Exactly. It's when you start complicating things where his performances stop dropping off. Like, sorry, playing him in a fucking attacking eight role for some goddamn reason. 
that that makes everything more complicated for him. Now his performances overall are suffering as a whole. It's kind of like this, uh, in this gonna, situation I'm give too. Give a basketball parallel, kind of like yeah. how Kawhi Leonard had to play like point guard pretty much this year. He had to do a play, be a you know he's one of the best scorers, one of the best defenders. And in addition, he was asked to also play point play guard, and yeah. and that's just too much. You're asking for too much. And now, yeah, and now all of a sudden, other parts of his game are starting to exactly. suffer because of it. Yeah. And 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 I feel like that's what's happening with Conte here. Instead of asking him, hey, go out there, win the ball, and 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 when you get possession, move it quickly. That 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 should be the only instruction that Ngolo Conte should have. In this situation, it's no. When we're in possession, you got to be able to check into those spaces and, you know, uh, or, or when you have the ball, who are you going to pass it to? If Ben Chilwell isn't open and there's no outlet, you know, up front between uh, Timo and Pulisic, the only option is to go back because guess what? Jorginho is not opening himself up for a pass. I mean, he's probably trying to, but his run's getting tracked every single time. And, that, and I think that was the issue. Mm-hmm. Maybe Frank could find a way to structure a three-man back line. That you know, if he's really adamant on including Jorginho, maybe finding a way to keep Jorginho in a deeper lying role, um, but having some more protection around him when Conte is in possession. Maybe dropping another midfielder into the fold, going a three-five-two, yeah, instead right. of a three-four-three. But th- that's just a thought. Yeah, let's wrap up this preview and this review. Uh, we got to talk about VAR on Dave and uh, and Rashford. <laughs> oh my God! I mean, this was just really one of the most infuriating and just—it's one of those moments where it's just so—it makes you so mad that it, it makes you laugh, you know. Mm-hmm. So Dave wrestled in the box uh, by Maguire uh, off a penalty. Like it, it was so clear. It was he put him in a headlock, man. This was like a this was a WWE move, and I mean it was a clear inhibiting his jump, and I think he would have for sure gotten his head to it. Not saying he necessarily would have put it in the back of the net, but you see Aspi's momentum going up, up, mm-hmm. up, and up, stops. and then the contact, and then it just stops. So you know, no penalty called, not even a VAR check, but the ball goes down the other side of the pitch. Rashford. Breaks a toenail. I mean, they show they showed the replay like five times, and it wasn't until the fifth time that I saw the, the possible penalty. foul yeah. that they were checking for a penalty for. Yeah. I mean, he gets the full VAR check. <laughs> he even gets a lollipop from the team doctor, uh, and you know, it, it, it. I don't. I really. And I. It, they said after the match. And I haven't looked up since, but the Athletic did report that they watched, they watched the tackle on VAR. They saw it, and they did not call that a penalty. And I don't, they never explained why they did that. But I, I really think that is a misunderstanding. It has to be, because there is absolutely no way that they saw that and they thought that it was not a foul and it was not worthy of a penalty. There's just no way, Zach. I, I, I refuse you... to believe it. Did you watch El Clasico this weekend? I didn't catch it, no. For, for for any of our listeners that watched El Clasico, I want you to see the penalty that Real Madrid was awarded um, for their second goal, which wound up being the match winner um, when it was all said and done. Because in Spain, the definition of a penalty is so, 
so different. It's in a different solar system. Better or than, worse? Uh, it, it was it was a soft ten, if I'm gonna be honest. So I think you're saying that it's a like it's really a better rule or a worse rule? But listen, it's a better rule because even though there's contact and it's minimal, it's still the correct call. If that makes sense, like like whether it's soft or not is 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 subjective, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a matter of what do the laws say? Did the contact impede the other person's progress, or did the contact prevent a goal scoring chance or prevent the other person from staying upright or whatever it is whatever mm-hmm. the rule is for a foul it, it it should be obvious and for this song the reason why it's frustrating is because it's only benef- var has only benefited manchester united that's genuinely the way i feel about all of this you know you look at uh, I, uh bruno fernandez <laughs> I, I, yeah, I always mess up every single time because apparently this guy's so good. Um, he, but can you look sla- at, he can slap players and get away with it. He could slap play. Yeah, that's another thing too. He <laughs> fucking slapped Jorginho. I thought that's where you were going it. with this. <laughs> no, 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 no. He fucking slapped Jorginho and got away with it. And Jorginho yeah, got listen, him back though. Bruno's a bitch because he goes after our our our, our, our like softest player. <laughs> like that's how I could tell you're not hard. Get the fuck out of here with that. That's number one. He went okay? after. <laughs> he went after Jorginho, dude. Come on. Like, if you're really hard, go after like Reece Aspie James. or, or oh my yeah, God. Go, go after Reese James or, or like or like square, square up with Zuma. You'd shrivel up into a little ball of pity if you were squaring up with Zuma. But anyways, dude, listen. The, I feel that it is just so biased in terms of benefiting Manchester United every single time. Bruno Fernandez has what, like nine penalties. Since he arrived last January, <laughs> and he has Jorginho's like 10 been goals here total. for three years. Has been our designated penalty taker all three seasons, and it doesn't even have nine goals yet. <laughs> and that's number one. Number two is somehow these situations always come up in Manchester United versus Chelsea. Rewind to last season: Harry Maguire kicks Michi Batshuayi in the nuts right in front of the team benches, right in front of all of the cameras, and right in front of the same VAR screen that the referee went over, looked at that, and said, nope, that's not a red card. So it's not only happening last season, it's happening this season. And I still think I, I, I think the one from this past weekend was far worse than Way that worse. One. Way worse. It was so and, clear. It, this is the thing, though, Sam. It's two errors from VAR, both – and this is all in 2020. Harry Maguire kicking Michi Batshuayi in the ball, Sam, believe it or not, happened eight months ago. Really? So we're not that far removed from VAR bullshit. But it's also two crazy. Errors I feel like we... two huge matches that cost us six points because right after Harry Maguire kicks Michi in the nuts, Manchester United goes right up the pitch and Marcus Rashford scored. I believe it was Rashford. Somebody scored immediately after mm-hmm. that situation happened. And in this case, that could have turned the tide on the game. We were all over them in the first half. That was our best chance to get a goal. That opportunity came and the referee denied it from us. Yeah. Points three points let alone six points if you count the last one from last it, year yeah last it could season. it could decide a title or champions league qualification this could seriously impact a team's financial oh. uh, financially Come and it on, could Zach. impact them in terms of no 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 some this is a legit argument because I look get. you go to last season what was the handball was it sheffield against uh, villa where there was a handball 
there was some freak situation that happened with VAR. The ball went off someone's hand into the goal, and it was still like like there was some nonsense about whether it was a handball or not a handball, and the implications of that match in an Aston Villa match at the end of the season when they're fighting for relegation caused Watford to go down. Yeah, but listen, okay, think about it on, on this way: how many how many goals were disallowed? incorrectly i mean sorry correctly after var review I, you know I, I, it, it definitely I, I'm makes not a, up for i'm it. not anti listen oh, i'm not anti var it's here to stay i'm right. not trying to push some agenda i, I don't have any hope no, that no, it's what, gonna... what i'm saying is that those mistakes that you're talking about that'll cost two points you know or three points are saved in other matches by gaining three points because of a correctly called uh play just, after var i mean I, I i would be interested to look up those statistics i'm yeah. sure it differs per every team and i'm 100 percent positive that it favors man united more than any other club but um you know it's I mean, just it's just you, crazy because var i feel like it goes weeks without you know not that big of an issue and then there's just one week where there's just like three four different blunders that are just like wow what is this like the the, the liverpool uh penalty call i don't know if you saw oh, that the op- oh he was outside i mean it was, first of all it wasn't even a foul second of all it wasn't even inside the box. In the box like so i mean that that was worse than the one that we that they missed on us because they reviewed that one too and they saw listen that, i mean i mean you're gonna get you're gonna get a call wrong every now and then and that's and that's understandable like i get that but every time chelsea plays manchester united a call is getting blown so all some it's not a coincidence for me. There is definitely some sort of bias or going on. These referees are fucking Manchester United fans or they're just completely anti-Chelsea. I, I, there's no other way anyone could convince me otherwise just based on the evidence. Those are the two most you had the clearest penalty anybody could ever paint a picture of. And then you have the clearest sending off of something nobody should ever have any business doing on a football pitch, and none of them get punished, and they both cost us points. It's bullshit. Okay, do you know where West Riding of Yorkshire is in England? Is that in the north? <laughs> it's in the it's in the north. Okay, that is where that is where uh, Martin Atkinson is from, and this is just confirming my theory that northern referees have a strong anti-london bias bias. it and i think it's actually kind of true i mean if you think about the favorable calls that you know the northern teams kind of get against us when (laughs) i mean i'm not even sure like is that is there like a is there like a legitimate like class like race war between the north and the south in england like is this a bigger like uh struggle that i'm making like i'm making like like a joke like a regional like a regional like social civil war yeah like is, yeah. is it a bigger okay so i should i shouldn't i shouldn't be making you know like a joke no, about I, this i don't I, I don't know i think it could be true i don't know there there's bias there is a hundred percent some bias there yeah, i mean you londoners are pretty posh i must admit <laughs> all right uh let's 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 move on to our twitter questions or first first t- couple questions what what a treat we got some questions from zach's personal friend jonathan kid uh that Shut is up, jk that is a, a great honor it gives us some credibility uh it gives us huge credibility with like 
He's going to kill me for saying this. <laughs> the old farts. <laughs> the old farts. He does give us a little bit of – no, no, no. But, but but honestly, it's actually super cool that, that they're engaging with our podcast, which is like so subpar compared to theirs. But it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Thanks, J-Kid. So we, we did answer some of his questions already. So uh, one of the ones that really stood out to me, uh, should – should Frank play Giroux instead of Werner in this new defensive setup? So in the three-four-three, makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. To kind of have a guy there that can hold up play, and then you just kind of introduce a bunch of pace around him to to, to run off of him. I mean, Giroud's the human wall pass. I wouldn't be opposed to it, to be completely honest, but I just don't think that's something that's going to be on the cards for Frank. Like we we haven't seen. I don't even think he was on the bench for this game. Oh no, he was. But yeah, we we haven't seen much of him. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it whatsoever, though, Sam. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, because we've seen what kind of. If we know anything about Giroud, it's not that he's a talisman center forward. It's that he's a very good complementary center forward, mm-hmm. where he can kind of bring out the best in everyone else around him. I th- I, I I'm kind of for it. I'm pretty open minded to it. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it against Krasnodar, maybe playing three at the back and then kind of experimenting with that, playing Giroud as the as a target man and then just kind of having pace around him um, to see what kind of what kind of chances we could create. I'd like to see it. I'm not. I, I don't necess- know necessarily. I mean, we all love be better. to watch Giroud just yeah. kind of like like even when the camera's pointing at him doing nothing he's still like really nice to look at so it's never a bad thing to see him on the pitch right and i honest to god believed that coming into the season he would be our number two striker and tammy's got way more play than he did and yeah. i mean i i think looking back now it, it, like i should have known that it would have been tammy getting more like i was actually saying that we should probably loan him out to get him some more playing time but uh clearly that just shows how little i know but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The way you said yeah, I was just like <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Very. I was. Hey, you know, to, you know my twice. take on loaning Tammy. <laughs> yeah. I was. That's true. That yeah. one offended. You did, me. You, you did shit on me. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nacho, Nacho Fuentes at Sherman Doge. Um, shout out to Venezuela. We're gonna skip your question because we already talked about it pretty much. But I just wanted. To, I just needed to give a shout out to Venezuela. Yeah. Um. Right. So our next question comes from Leonard Cohen at Leonard R Cohen. Dear Pod, I love it how he starts it off as a letter. Um, 20, 20th century technology. <laughs> Dear Pod, which academy graduates currently in the first team squad will still be at Chelsea come the start of the twenty three twenty four season? I Ooh. love I love these kinds of questions, Leonard. Yeah, please think cool. of think of more of these questions. I, I like this. I like these hypothetical questions. Like like they they force us to be a little creative with it. Yeah, so. I think that. I think two players that are that are locks um, from our academy are, are Mason Mount and Reese James. Mm-hmm. I think they're both going to be at Chelsea in three, four years' time. I think the player least likely to stay. I mean, Andreas Christensen technically counts as coming through our academy. Technically, right? yeah, he is home. He does count as a homegrown player. But did, was he in our academy or no? He was. He was. He he won. He won with uh, Ruben right. in the academy. So yeah. I th- I think to answer the opposite of your question i think he's probably the most likely to not be on the team start of the 23 24 season or who yeah i was gonna say maybe maybe fick i don't know i think for kyle tomori uh i I would love to have him 
be somewhere included in the fold in the back three especially but but i'm interested to hear that you don't think tammy will be here um he's not a lock at least no no i, I don't think it's a lock because tammy uh, tammy still does have some growing to do as a player you know in terms of his decision making he does wear his emotions on his sleeve a little bit too much for my liking at times um but it, that's solely based on the facts on that we have timo werner mm -hmm. you know and 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 based on what we've seen from werner i mean he needs to be playing at the nine and also money talks so if the price is right i don't think anyone is unsellable you know yeah and i think i think mason mount is also a candidate for that exact treatment because of uh you know i think we have some decent players in our midfield i'm talking you know i just mentioned earlier how our midfield's been doing so bad but i think that you know a young english, english player like himself i think is going to get a lot of uh he's going to have a lot of competition or Callum though, too. too is, yeah there's definitely you know, i didn't even think about him but he is he is more in that boat than mason mount is honestly yeah I could tell you which player I hope is in our squad in twenty three twenty four. Like, and and I mean this in in all seriousness is, is Ethan Ampadu. Yeah, I really want him back at Chelsea, man. I watched a little bit of the Sheffield uh, United match. He played this the six, yeah, and he had one amazing ball over the top that I forget who should have finished. Uh, but I was like, yo, Jorginho has tried to make that exact pass. 80 times this season and has yet to connect and i just saw like literally 20 minutes of ethan ampadu and he already made that so that's 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 all i gotta say um let's move on this is uh this one's from eric at chelsea eric he asks are there any wingers in the league better than chelsea's eden hazard yes this is this is kind of hard yes Ooh. yes I think, I think I know who you're gonna say. I think Sadio Mane is probably Oof. better. I think yeah. I think as a goal scorer, he is better. First of all, like as a finisher, and he might even be a better. I don't want to say he's no. a better playmaker. He's not. He's not a better playmaker. But I, I think I think yeah. I think he take he. There's a lot of advantage to their play system, uh, into their play style and their tactics. Liverpool. So he does get more assists, but I think Sadio Mane is one of the most incredible players I've ever seen in my life. Honestly, yeah, he's, I have he, to say he's that. fun to watch. And and and, and it's I hard think to hate. and I think two other shouts. Obviously, Mohamed Salah is also up there. Um, his his nose for the goal on the wing is unbelievable, and I want to give a shout to Riyad Mahrez. Like I love watching Red Mars play. Like, You're not comparing those guys to Hazard, though. Mars, no, but I'm, I, I, I I'm still, I want to give him a shout because I love watching him play. And yeah. I think he's, I think he's, I think those are the three best wingers in the Premier League right now. But I think you could easily make a case for Saudi Omane or Mo Salah for being, if not as good, maybe better, uh, than Eden Hazard at his prime. The th the weird thing with Eden Hazard at his prime was, we don't know when his prime was honestly. Well, no, we do. I mean, I, <laughs> for me, P for me, peak Hazard would be like. I mean, arguably his last last year was his best season with us, or two years ago. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was, it was. his best season. 
Like, Statistically speaking, yeah. So See, I don't but, know but that's the thing year. with Hazard is he's, he doesn't put up numbers. He's not like a goals and assists guy because if you're really going to go by just purely numbers, then you're going to be like, oh, you, you could go down a list. Son Hyung Min's better than Hazard if we're going to be talking about that. But in terms of just ability, yeah. I would say the only person that has that ability to destroy a whole team single-handedly um, – it would probably be, yeah. I, I would probably have to say Mane or Sun. It'd probably be oh, one of those two. I yeah. wouldn't put I wouldn't put Mo Salah in there. Um because he does kinda get like these little dips in form. Like if Mo Salah's not scoring goals, he's not really doing much else. And I think those other two guys like Sun and Sadio Mane, they have the ability to create on their own too. I I, I hate that I'm saying good things about a Tottenham guy. Look, next question. That's why I next didn't question. mention him yeah. in my top three. Yeah. Well, I, I have him in <laughs> fantasy, so like I'm not rooting for him this year. But like at the same time, you're you know, not mad when he scores. <laughs> yeah. Like I hope Tottenham sucks, but I hope he's the only reason, or I hope he's the only one that gets any goals. Well, you also have Harry Kane. <laughs> I do have Harry Kane too. He's leading the league in assists. I hate your team so much, Zach. Um, I hate my team too. But it's I have, good. I, I have like, yeah, dude. I look, I have Harry Maguire on my team. <laughs> like, like it tells you everything you need to know. Fantasy Premier League is all business. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all business. business. Yeah, okay. has nothing. You got to put your fanhood aside. All right, let's wrap up with the uh, last question. We'll, we actually have multiple questions. This one comes from Kiros Medvedev. I already read one earlier. Um, but, you know, he mentioned Lampard got criticized for not caring about defense, and he has shown willingness to learn and adapt. Exciting times ahead. So his questions. And I think this is a very good observation, and kind of shows that we might have a double standard. But if you put Jose in charge of an identical game, and it will be, you know, you get the same result, nil-nil, it will be, it will be called the tactical ma- masterclass, right? And, and that's, we, and it's, that's we, what I was going to say, yeah. And we shit on Frank Lampard for the same exact thing. Is, is, is that a double standard? It is 100% a double standard. What did Jose Mourinho infamously say? What? A, 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 a nil-nil draw is way better than a loss. Yeah. A draw is always better than a loss. When he goes to a tough away matches, he's known for saying, I go to not lose. I just don't want to lose there. He's not a loser. So, yeah. It, it, it is a double standard. It was a defensive masterclass in, you know, the modern sense. Um, but at the same time, there was there was still a lot to left. There was still a lot left to be desired. And I think that is where the shitting on Frank came in because it, it wasn't necessarily aimed at, oh, my God, look at the way our defense set up. And this no, it yeah. was more a matter <laughs> of like we did. We defended really well. Everyone was hyped about Tiago Silva and Zuma and. And Aspilicueta and our wing backs, but it was more a matter of like we just couldn't get the goal. Yeah, exactly. So, which is just again, it's like with all with the front three of Havertz, Werner, and Pulisic, you would think that that's enough creativity and goal scoring to get at least one. But I don't know. Yeah. So he also asked thoughts on Havertz. Would you keep playing him until he improves, or give him a little bit of the bench time? I think he should be coming off the bench um, in the Champions League. Look, I mean, it, mm. you got you got to kind of give him um, the benefit of the doubt with the you know the whole new league thing, and it's like, all right, Zach, well, when are you going to stop using that excuse for him? It, it's still early days, so I think taking a guy out of the firing line, maybe having him be an impact player, um, 
would do him a lot of good. In the same way that, you know, him playing in that cup match did him a lot of good because it got him on the score sheet. He, he felt confident. So I could see Frank starting him just for the same logic. You know, Frank could maybe see this as an opportunity for Kai Havertz to put up, you know, a couple of assists or a couple goals. Um, but it, it for me, I would approach this as an opportunity to say, hey, take a seat, you know, let the other guys handle it. And you're going to get your half an hour at the end of the game. Just make sure you're ready when you do. Even against yeah. even against uh, Krasnodar, I think against a team like Krasnodar, we can definitely afford to be a little bit more um, rigid tactically. Uh, meaning, I think Frank is is going to start with Mason at the ten. Um, <laughs> well, he always starts his team sheet with Mason on it. So well, well, no, <laughs> I, I'm saying I'm saying Mason's going to be playing the ten, and we're going to have a more of a defensive lineup because these European matches, as as Listen, as unknown as this team is, they are tricky fixtures. These long flights and these weird travel traveling schedules, they are very, very tricky, um, no, no matter what way you look at it. So I think we'll start off with something a little bit more rigid. It's going to be a boring match for the most part. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we can get a nice little blowout going, which is which yeah, is completely we'll, we'll get more, capable of it. We'll get more into that, but... Uh, we're quickly running through Kirill's last quick uh, last yeah, yeah, questions. Yeah. Uh, he want this is not really a question, but it's oh Tiago Silva. <laughs> but he did put question marks at the end, so technically it is a question. But I think he was just showing his love. Uh, yeah. Oh, and two more questions. Fuck you, Maguire, and fuck the referee. You hear that, yeah. Martin? Martin Atkinson. That was straight from Kirill's mouth. So that's like, how you know you messed up. More like Martin Ass Kinson. <laughs> I knew you were going with that. Ass yeah. Ass Kissin. How about that? Hey. Dude, All my right. dad my dad jokes have been pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good lately. Yeah. You're in good form. Uh so let's let's we have two matches this week and I don't know how much time we should spend uh previewing them. I think we could probably put them both together in one big preview uh so the first the first matchup we have a midweek matchup uh in champions league against krasnodar at in krasnodar i hope my pronunciation is perfect that's that's in russia for anyone that's wondering oh yeah they're a russian team um they qualified for champions league by finishing third uh last season but right now they're sitting eighth in the russian premier league with five wins three draws four losses so uh who needs a run out in this game i know you mentioned mason mount probably at the 10 but um again this is this is not a strong side by any means i mean i don't i'm just saying that (laughs) i'm assuming i have no idea to be honest but uh who else would you see running getting a run out in this match you know i I really want i keep talking about kovacic i mean he was our player of the season last year the the guy needs to get back into his groove he hasn't played in a minute yeah, well, well, I know. Uh, so I'm saying Frank Frank needs to play him. Mm-hmm. Um, I want him back in form, um, the same Kovacic he was last season, because if that's the case, then good Lord. Like, we're going to be a force to be ready. If we could get the Kovacic from last season and, and insert him into that Man United game, we'd probably walk away with three points. That That's so how big of a player he is. So um, I want to see him get a run out. I'd like to see um, some rotation. Um Marcos Alonso should be out on the left. Um, probably go with the back four. So um, maybe put Aspi out on the right. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I want I want Cho in there. And in terms of strikers, I mean, th- this is an opportunity for whoever starts. Um, it's probably going to be Tammy. To stake their claim. Yeah. Well, well, uh, well look, Timon hasn't necessarily lit the world on fire in terms of goal-scoring output. Um, so if it's Tammy or Ollie, they're going to see it as an opportunity of, hey, I could show the gaffer what, what I can do here. You know? Well, um, well, you know, I have a lot of confidence going into this match, but not as much as Kojo, one of our new followers uh, and one of our biggest fans, at E underscore Mawutor. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong as well. But yeah. it says two consecutive goalless draws. We should be battering Krasnodar 10-0, to be honest. Are you as confident as him? What, do, you, do you foresee a 10-0 win, or uh, what do you predict? I see a comfortable 3-0. If we play the same kind of way that we did against United, I don't think we'll we'll, we'll get near 10 goals. But uh, I really don't know anything about Krasnodar. I, uh, I, I apologize for being ignorant to the Russian Premier League, but I really don't know. I don't think you have to apologize to too many of our listeners for not being cool. affluent in the Russian Premier League. Okay, cool. Uh, but... Yeah. I think a 3-0 victory is on the low end. Um, I think it'll be 4, maybe 5-0. That would be nice. But I just want to see some easy goals, man. It would be nice to see a tap in here and there. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, it's been two two matches without a goal, so let's get them in. Uh, and then over the weekend, we got the Premier League matchup against Bar- Barnley. Not Burnley, but Barnley. Barnley. Because I know that when I said Burnley, I got a lot of shit <laughs> from one person in particular. From one person in particular. <laughs> uh, so right now they're sitting 18th in the Premier League, winless in their first five matches. Uh, that's one draw, four losses. Uh, they have a goal. They have a game in hand right now um, due to the first week. Post, uh, they either played United or Man City, um, but they've lost by one by a one goal margin in their last three home matches. Uh, so, Zach, what, what's something to look out for with Barnley? I think it's the most obvious thing ever. Um, there are their team of center backs, essentially. And that's about it. They, they got a bunch of center backs, probably two midfield players that are actual midfielders, and two strikers. Um, so set pieces are going to be huge because they're absolutely massive as a team. Um, you know, they got guys like... Uh, James Tarkovsky, Chris Wood, who's, you know, probably one of the best headers of the ball in the league. You know, Ashley Barnes, who's been known to be a royal pain in the ass. Um, They're a team that have always given us a difficult time. And to be fair, they usually give everyone a really difficult time. And the start of the season for them is pretty surprising. So with that being said, Sam, this is the perfect situation for us to fuck this up. And (laughs) yeah, no, it is. Um, so with that being said, I think we, we need to be, we need to be on our A game, um, especially against these guys. Uh, Sean Dyche sets his teams up. They're hard to break down. I don't care what their record is. I don't care what, how many goals they scored, who's, who's active or who's not active. That team is going to set up and make it so, so difficult for us. And it's, it's no secret that we've been struggling to score goals. 
So it's the game plan is basically falling right into their hands. All they have to do is execute what they work on on a training ground every single day, and they could probably get a result against us. Now the key for us is to get an early goal because yeah. that opens up the game against Burnley. They're not, if we get an early goal against them, they're going to be forced to play out. Um, and then all of a sudden, I mean, that will start opening up spaces for, for any of – if any of our guys gets caught in a 1v1 um, where we have the ball and we're running at them, I, I'm feeling good about things. But the cases get – the point is we got to get there. You and against I a team like Burnley, the only way to do that is to get an early goal. That opens everything else up for you. So We, we won – just so you know, we won both matchups against them last year. So yeah. Frank, I think Frank knows how to line up against uh, – Ginger Mourinho, that's his name, right? Ginger Mourinho, yeah. <laughs> but, and Ginger just, Mourinho. And uh, our last matchup against Barnley was when uh, Pulisic got his hat trick. Um, so good I, times. I think one that, year ago. I I don't know if it was one year ago. Oh yeah, it was one year ago today. Chelsea just posted it. That's crazy, and that was also yeah. against Barnley. So um, I think that if uh, Frank is trying to repeat history. He'll definitely include Pulisic in his starting lineup, who's slowly coming back to form. I did look up the odds to this game, this match, and I wish I did this for every match just to just, you know, see what it is. But Chelsea, I'm not a betting man. I'd never bet on my own team. Chelsea minus 200, Barnley plus 500, and uh, the draw is plus 375. So take my, the draw. Yeah, guys. take take the draw. Honestly, I just don't know anymore how to feel <laughs> like that's what i was saying earlier like if if a, a draw to united won't wouldn't hurt as much as a draw to a team like barnley and it's like depending on how we do midweek i don't know how confident i'm going to be uh for this barnley matchup but if uh if you want to just you know parlay your emotions a little bit i'd put you know a couple a couple quid on on a, on draw plus 375 odds that's That'll cheer you up. A nice little payout. <laughs> yeah. What do you What are you going, Sam? I don't know, man. I <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we drew. Honestly, mm. like a one-one draw. No, I got a little bit more positive of an outtake. I think I think we're gonna lead most of the match. Um, I think we'll get that early goal. Um, and we'll go two 0 up, and then we're gonna concede one really late. I just have a feeling they're gonna score a set piece and like. Man, like the 79th or 80th minute. I love make, how like, the last 10 minutes pretty nervous. Your but... your that was the most specific uh, prediction I've ever. I could heard just in my life. I could just I could just see that I could just see us like taking an early lead, being comfortable because this happens to me all the time. I sit on my couch and life is good when I'm watching the game, and then within a matter of seconds, my life could be going from really good to, oh fuck. Like you know, my whole weekend is ruined. <laughs> well, that's how it was to uh, our last match. Yeah, against uh, who was it? Southampton. Yeah, with the last yeah. minute equalizer. Yeah, harsh, harsh man. It was harsh, but I mean that does kind of bring us to the end of today's throwback episode. So for those of you that have been sticking with us since day one, I hope you enjoyed it, um, because next week Andres is definitely going to be back, um, which is better for both of us and probably better for you because we won't be talking as much. Um, but until next week. Let's hope that we can lock up three more points in a Champions League, our first uh, victory in the Champions League, and then hopefully we can snap this uh, little rut we're in in the Premier League where we can't really seem to score a goal or get a win. 
Um, but until then, keep the blue flag flying high.